0: Hello and welcome to AgPHD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty along with my brother Darren. We are live in the Morton studio today. It's Farmer Friday. We would love to hear from you all throughout the show. Our phone lines will be open 844 44 ag That's 844-442-4743. You can also email us radio at agphd.com or send us a note on Twitter, Ag PhD Media, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. Well, again, it's Farmer Friday, so we're going to open the phone lines up here in just a little bit. If you'd like to call in, uh, we're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag just shortly, too. But I I guess before we get going, I just wanted to say real quick, this is planting season for many areas around the United States and Canada. We just encourage you, please be safe. Uh, Safety always needs to come number one. And I know if you're in an area that's had a lot of snow, had a lot of cold temps, even like for us on our farm, we're behind. Well, when you get behind, what happens? A lot of times you say, I'm going to put in more hours. I'm going to go harder. I'm going to work more quickly. And when all those, you put all those things together, uh, that's a lot of times, unfortunately, when accidents happen. We don't want those accidents happening to you or anyone else out there. So please take your time. Don't cut corners. Be safe. Always put that first. Darren, anything you wanted to start the show with today? Well, no, there are so many jobs going on in the spring. I guess the other thing is
1: just trying to remember all the things that you want to do because we see a lot of times where there are great intentions of, oh, yeah, we need to make this improvement or that improvement. But then when everything starts going crazy, oh, no, we got to get everything planted in a hurry, then we just revert back to, well, I guess we always did it like this. So if you got some of those things that you wanted to change, you wanted to do a little different, you wanted to do a trial of, a certain product or a hybrid or or whatever it may be, make sure those things happen. Write them down, communicate them that, hey, these are important too because you really only get one shot on a crop like corn or soybeans to do those things each year. And if you don't get them done now, you've got to wait a whole nother year. So I encourage you, do try a couple new things every year on a small scale just so you can see going forward, hey, is this something that added more profit or made it more fun to farm? Great. If you do it on a small scale now and you prove it out, then you can do it on a larger scale later and make even more
0: money. It's Farmer Friday. We're going to hit the Ag PhD mailbag right now. It's the mailbag! Our first question comes from Amy out in Utah who says, I have a lawn full of unwanted bent grass. So I sprayed a herbicide on it in the fall. It was called uh, spectricide. Anyway, didn't do a good enough job. Although my lawn looks dead, the lower stems are green. I'm I'm sure it's going to come back. So I'd like to reseed it, but I just want to make sure that that bent grass is good and dead before I do. So my understanding is that Roundup works best on growing plants. So it's not going to be real effective when the top part of that grass is dead and I might not get good absorption in there. Um, I thought about watering it in and that maybe the roots would soak up the Roundup and die, but uh, my understanding is it needs to be absorbed in through the leaves or the grass blades. So do you think the best option I have is to just wait for my lawn to grow actively again and then kill it? I was hoping to be able to reseed sooner than later, but I definitely don't want the bent grass to come back. All right, so Amy... Mesa actually fairly decent on bent grass, so that would have been my recommendation to you in the beginning. Use something like Tenacity that's labeled in lawns. And then you should have pretty good control of the bent grass without having to kill whatever other grass is out there. Now, I don't know what your main lawn grass is, so just make sure on the Mesa or Tenacity label that you're not you don't have a susceptible lawn grass, but assuming you don't, that would be my answer, is use tenacity. Now, if let's say you do want to kill everything out there, yes, you have to wait until those grasses are actively growing and then Roundup will work fine. Roundup is absolutely not going to get absorbed by the root system. As soon as Roundup hits dirt, it's done. Uh, No longer is it going to be viable at all in any way. So those would be my suggestions for you. Darren, you got anything else? No, but you
1: always have glyphosate as a as a backup plan. So yeah, I I like, hey, let's try something that doesn't completely kill the good grass out there. And then the other thing is, you want to do everything you can to try to encourage good grass growth afterwards. So you want to do the right fertility plan, you want to make sure you're not cutting too short. All of those kinds of things can help your desirable grass choke out
0: any competitors in the future. All right, next question comes from Anita, who says, or asks, Does 2,4-D kill bees and other beneficial insects? No, it does not. Is 2,4-D toxic if it contacts the skin? And if so, how toxic will it be to dogs, cats, and birds? Okay, so for every pesticide out there, there's what they call a safety data sheet. And you can look that up for the type of 2,4-D that you're using. We commonly recommend Freelux. That's a new 2,4-D that doesn't volatilize all over the place. The lethal dose for that, the LD50, is 1,200 milligrams per kilogram of body weight. If you look at caffeine, by comparison, the LD50 is 200 milligrams per kilogram. In other words, it takes six times more Freelix to kill you than caffeine. I'm not encouraging you to drink 2,4-D. I'm simply saying here, it's not the most dangerous product that we deal with. Nevertheless, on the label, it's going to tell you the signal word is danger. You need to be wearing personal protective equipment. There's a 48-hour re-entry interval. So in other words, we don't want you turning dogs, cats, anything out there for 48 hours. But I mean, realistically, if a dog or cat or bird goes back out there right away, they're going to die? Absolutely not.
1: Yeah, the big thing is that re-entry interval and what I like to do because I do have dogs and I do have kids. I like to say, okay, you know what? We're going to treat the front yard today and in a few days, we'll treat the backyard. That way, if the kids still want a place to get outside and run around or the dog needs a place to run around and do its thing, oh, okay, no problem. We've got half the yard ready to go. They can go out there at any point and we just stay off the other. Or you find the weekend that you're going to be gone and you treat on Friday, you're gone for the weekend, you come back on Monday and everything's great.
0: All right. Again, we just encourage you be safe with 2,4-D or any pesticide that you've got. Follow the label, use personal protective equipment, Keep your animals out of there for the most part. That's the way most herbicides are, are going to, that's what they're going to tell you to do. But again, it's not like these things are crazy dangerous. So if something gets turned out there, it's going to die. That's not going to happen. All right. It's Farmer Friday. We'd love to hear from you. We're going to get to the phone lines right after this.
2: When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower Dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. It takes balance to be successful in farming, because what you get out of it depends on what you put in
0: Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We're taking your calls and questions all throughout the show. If you want to call in, it's 844-44-AG-PHD. we are going to go first down to Kansas. Got Michael calling in from down there. Michael, I hear it's a little cold down your way. Yeah, it's uh,
5: definitely uh, one of the colder years we've ever had. Well the coldest springs, I guess I should say. So we get a day or two of 80 degrees and then uh, a week of uh, 50s and 60s. Sure. Uh,
0: how low are the lows getting? Uh, down about freezing. Yeah. Okay. So not much below freezing, just down near freezing.
5: Yeah. The lowest I've seen in the last week is about 26. Yeah. And And uh, some nights it's not quite reached it. Sure. Yes. That's pretty unusual for this far south this
0: often. Sure. Uh, Sounds about normal for up here though. So we got plenty of experience in dealing with that and corn and soybeans and everything. So I heard you were worried about these cold temps with corn. Do you have corn in the ground? Not yet. I know some
5: some people in the area have put some in the ground. We're fighting two problems. One, we've had a long-term drought as Well, publicized. Yes. But two, uh, how long does a guy wait when it's soil temperature is staying right about there at 49 to 52?
0: Yeah. So for me, that'd be on the warm side for me planting. So I have no issue with that. We'll plant as soon as that soil temp's over 40. Um, what we're perfectly comfortable with is different than some other people out there, though, because here are a couple of things that I'll I'll share with you. One, the uh-huh. warm germination test on a on anybody's seed tag is going to that test was run at 77 degrees, so that doesn't help you out a lot for these cold temps. What you need is a cold germ score, no seed company that I know of will tell you what their cold germ score is on any variety, but that's something you can get the seed in advance, you go test it, and then you find out, hey, does this have a good cold germ score? I mean, unless by chance your seed company will tell you. So that's number one. You got to have a good cold germ score. Preferably, we like to have varieties that have really good early vigor and good seed treatment. And then on top of that, what we will typically do is we'll throw insecticide in furrow along with some fungicide, something like Zyway. So we're doing all those extra things, and then we don't really have any issue. So, yeah, we're we're out planting mm-hmm. today, and, I mean, we've got lower soil temps than that. Our soil temps will be, at some point between now and Monday, we will have a bunch of soil temps that will be in the upper 30s. So it happens. It's not for all the hours of the day, but the low soil temp for each day will be down in the 30s, and it'll be fine. So no, nope, I'm not too worried about that. What I what I fear sometimes though is when we we plant early and then the weather gets warm way earlier than normal, the seed the the crop pops out of the ground and then you get a late frost. That happens to us sometimes in our mm-hmm. in our geography with corn, the growing points below ground until V5, actually V6. So in other words, I, we had, like down, I think it was in Arkansas, we had some guys call in, uh, this is three weeks ago, three, four weeks ago, and they said, hey, uh, we got below freezing last night and we're really worried this corn's going to die. And I said, no, you're fine. You're at V3. The growing point's below ground. This has happened to us many times. You're, you're not even going to lose any yield. Uh, I mean, maybe a tiny, tiny little bit. It, it'll set your maturity back just a hair if you get that that frost, but no, I wouldn't worry about it. And when you don't even have seed in the ground, I wouldn't worry at all. If if the ground is fit, you can go plant. Now let's talk about your drought situation because we've had drought the last three years. Our drought's kind of over because of all the snow we had this winter and everything, but What we had to do the last two springs is plant a little deeper than normal so we could hit moisture. Because when we plant, we want to make sure that seed has enough moisture to get going. Otherwise, you're really taking your chances on, oh, is it going to rain tomorrow? Is it going to rain next week? When's it going to rain? And then what you often will see, oh, some plants will come up because they had moisture, other plants don't, and then things are uneven and stuff never catches up. So that's usually my advice in those kind of conditions. If it's dry, I don't care if it's cold, but I do care about, hey, can we hit some moisture there? So like on corn last year, we normally only like to go to two and a half inches deep. We went to 3 inches in a couple of fields. On soybeans, we normally only like to go to an inch and a half. We went to 2 inches deep on a, on a couple of fields. So, I mean, that would be the one change I would consider making.
5: Okay, thank you. Yep. Uh, so if I've got one field where that's kind of irrelevant. It's going to be following soybeans, and uh, the total amount of subsoil moisture is about an inch. So yep. <laughs> there's yep. nothing to do but set around on it and wait for some rain right. or uh, or have a plan B that involves not growing anything. Yeah, but, and uh, yeah, plan B I doesn't do sound too good. Your, <laughs> I do appreciate your information on the more favorable moisture feel but it's just colder than we like but yeah it's getting to be time to have it in the ground yep
0: yep that's right so I always tell guys look at the calendar more than you're going to look at that soil temp because generally speaking I mean the weather's going to we all know the weather's going to warm up here soon Mm -hmm. all right well hey thanks for calling in Michael appreciate it you're welcome thank you for the advice you bet all right let's go next to Josh out in Oregon hey Josh how are you today
6: good how are you doing
0: Excellent. So what's happening out your way right now?
6: Oh, uh, everybody's out in the field spraying wheat and uh, kimfollow, um, trying to get everything wrapped up. We're kind of about three to four weeks later than normal because it's been such a cold, cold spring.
0: Yeah. All across the northern United States and into southern Canada, we've seen that, so... Everybody's a little bit behind. Things are a little unusual, but that's the way it goes. At least we're, we're getting the work done now. So uh, what yeah. in terms of wheat and weeds, because it was a cold spring and because things are later than normal, are you seeing more winter annuals that are big now? Or, I mean, what do the fields look like compared to normal?
6: Well, about um, the same. Um, we, we, we struggle with tarweed and uh, miners' lettuce and china lettuce. And then, of course, you cheat and go grass. Yep. Um, but uh, we last year we tried Anthem Flex in the fall. Yeah. And I wish I would have did every acre I had because <laughs> I where it was it was nothing out there. It was like debating on so claim to spray it, but we yeah. we did, but it was something really cheap. But yep. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was very impressed. That was the first time I was like, wow. That was awesome.
0: Well, the nice thing about having that labeled in wheat, that's got a group 15 in their Zidua. And so, I mean, in the past, it's been for grass control and wheat, you get an ALS, you get ACCase, that's it. So adding yep. that other mode of action, boy, that makes an enormous difference. And I mean, don't get me wrong, it, it's probably not going to work like that forever if guys keep using the same no. thing over and over. But boy, the first few times you do it, it's amazing.
6: Yeah, I was yeah, I was thoroughly <laughs> impressed. So yeah, uh, but but other than that, just sprang along, and uh we'll probably start fertilizing because we fertilize in the spring here in another probably month or so, and then you uh, ready for harvest.
0: So, did you already have the fertilizer bought, or are you buying it yet uh, when you put it on? Uh, we still have to buy it. <laughs> and I think you know where I'm going with this. The fertilizer yeah. prices have come down. So, well, that's good. Uh, that uh, that saved you some money then. Uh, so it, yeah. it, any, anything else kind of new and different in your area right now?
6: Well, last year we bought a, uh, to put on the back of our combine, a, uh, it's called a uh, SCU unit, a seed control unit. Okay. It basically takes everything off your shoe and runs it through a mill and basically the theory is to pulverize all the weed seeds. Oh, sure. So, um, did that last year and well, they say they're claiming 70% off this or yes. Yeah. 90%, 95% off the shoe, 70%, uh, pat, I mean, when your combine pass of uh, reducing your seed bank. So interesting. I'm hoping in the next three years, we'll see a, a dramatic, uh,
0: Yes, a reduction. Yeah. Reductions. Josh, I would appreciate if over the next couple, three years, you keep in touch with us because I'm curious how that works. Uh, we we haven't done anything like that on our farm, uh, but I'm sure there would be a lot of guys interested in that if it actually pans out.
6: Yeah, it does take some horsepower, though. It, 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 uh, <laughs> like everything. It, it yep. makes
0: powder. <laughs> it takes, makes everything come out in powder. Sure. All right. Well, hey, Josh, great talking to you today. Best of luck this spring. All right, thank you. You bet. It's Farmer Friday. If you want to call into the show, phone lines are open 844 44 phd That's 844 442 4743. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
4: Are you ready?
3: We got the need! The need for seed treatment!
4: Start your engines! Ready, set, Intego! Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com Intego. Always read and follow label instruction. Get what you spray for, results. Get the lasting control more corn growers trust with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Apply pre-plant, pre-emergence, or early post-emergence to control tough broadleaf weeds and grasses before they cost you. For superior control with a low use rate and long residual, make the easy, high-performing choice. Visit anthemmax.ag.fmc.com to get results. Always read and follow all label directions. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. From the smallest fastener to the trusses overhead, Morton leaves absolutely no detail to chance. It's how we ensure that your building stands the test of time. From concept to completion, we take pride in providing a high quality building to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit MortonBuildings.com.
0: Hi, Greg Sauter. Uniform emergence is critical for high ear count and yields. Good emergence starts with the closing of the seed trench. It's almost impossible to pinch the seed trench closed from the top, no matter what style of closing wheel you use. That's why 360 Wave closes the seed trench from the bottom up. 360 Wave rolls moist soil from the bottom of the V-trench over the seed, completely engulfing the seed, eliminating all traces of the trench. That means better germination and emergence. Learn more at
3: 360yieldcenter.com.
0: Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today on a Farmer Friday. If you'd like to call into the show, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD or you can send us an email radio at agphd.com. All right, we got our friend Gordon calling in from over in Michigan. Hey Gordon, how are you today?
7: Pretty good, Brian. It's finally starting to warm up. Uh if it doesn't rain this weekend, we might get kind of serious about doing some field work and planting next week. So, <laughs> yeah.
0: There's a common theme, I think from our callers, uh, that some people already today have been sending me stuff about how cold it is. It's cold, it's cold, it's cold. Yes. Uh, this is kind of a colder spring, but, uh, we'll get through it eventually here. Hey, here you have a question about magnesium and potassium.
7: Yeah. I had somebody actually today, uh, discussing it and saying it, you know, the ratio is kind of significant. And, um, I just wanted to kind of get your opinion on how significant that ratio is and is it, and I guess what is kind of the desired ratio if sure. there is one. Okay.
0: So I can I can speak specifically to this on our own farm because we've done over about the last 5 years now it's somewhere in the ballpark of 12,000 grid points and looked at all that data and compared all that stuff for corn and soybeans. And based and looked at soil test versus yield. And what we found with the magnesium to potassium thing is we like being somewhere in the one to one to two to one kind of ratio. So, of parts per million or pounds per acre, however you want to look at it. So, in other words, uh, whatever I have for pounds of potassium out there, I want at least that many pounds of magnesium up to double that many pounds of magnesium. Now, some years it seems to make more of a difference than others. I don't know exactly why, but I I, I can just tell you we've had some years where, boy, if we were not in that range of 1 to 1 to 2 to 1, I mean, it was a serious yield penalty, especially in corn. So what ends up happening in that plant, and we can see that in plant tissue analysis, so we've been doing this work for years now, where basically if we've got really high magnesium soils, because we do have some of those, we we are out there tissue testing, and even though we have hundreds of pounds of potassium in the soil, we because we're not in ratio, we just simply, our, our tissue tests are constantly, not just low, but like deficient on potassium, and you can even see deficiency in the leaves, so it's real, and I guess what ends up happening here is apparently wherever magnesium is going in, that's that must also be where potassium is going in or something. Because all I know is if I've got an excess of magnesium, then I am short on potassium. So we want to get those nutrients in ratio as best we can. And I understand if a guy's got a really high magnesium soil... Um, this this could take a while. You're not going to probably get this accomplished in one year or anything, but somewhere in that general ballpark of one to one to two to one. Now the other way to look at this is in the base saturation test. So we often talk about the base saturation of potassium being four to eight percent, the magnesium being twelve to twenty percent. And so if you look at that, you go, wait a second, that's not a two to one ratio base saturation is figured differently because of atomic weights of the nutrients. It's much more complicated. So uh, let's set that aside for a second. If you're just asking magnesium to potassium ratio, just look at pounds per acre or parts per million. It's the same either way. Roughly two to one magnesium to potassium or one to one somewhere in that general ballpark is where you want to be. But you start getting out to four to one, five to one, six to one, I I mean what we have found in both corn and soybeans it's it's a big time yield hit.
7: No, I'm I'm kind of the other way around Brian, I'm, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm higher in potassium in some fields and definitely in some locations than I am magnesium. I I got one here where the whole field averaged uh 190 parts of uh magnesium and 220 parts of potassium and um I'm just wondering how concerned well, I should be about that. Well,
0: you're still really close. That's really close to one-to-one. If you're running the numbers, okay. that's off the top of my head. It's about 0. 0.9, almost 0. 0.9 to one. It's close. And what we it find sounds, with, That sounds right. Yeah. yeah, with a lot of these these things, when we're talking soil tests, stuff doesn't have to be exact. We're still able to get tremendous yields when we're at least in the ballpark. So when I say one-to-one to two-to-one, I mean, if you're... Uh, 0.9 to 1, close enough. Even if you're maybe 2.5 right. to 1, sometimes 3 to 1, probably close enough. But you start getting way out of that. The further out you get, the more problems you're most likely going to have.
7: I probably have some locations in the field that might be 2 to 1 as far as uh, potassium, mag- magnesium. Do you think that would be a problem? No.
0: Two to one magnesium to potassium is just fine. Uh, No, the the other way around. Oh, uh, potassium to magnesium. magnesium, Got you. Um, So we haven't seen nearly as big a yield hit that way as we have when the magnesium is in excess. But I will tell you this: when your potassium is that high compared to magnesium, the odds are that magnesium could be just a little bit short in your plant. So, what we often find when it, that ratio is flipped, it's more in the lighter soils. So, are we talking sandier soil here?
7: Yeah, you, you hit you hit it on the nail there, Brian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. And
0: and that's where too. If you follow what we talk about, what Neil Kinsey talks about, uh, uh, it's always hey, if you've got a lighter soil, you can kind of tighten that up by getting some more magnesium out there. So, we want to yeah. push that magnesium a little bit more in the sand. Uh, heavy ground, it's typically not as big a concern.
7: As you were saying, my percentages aren't bad. My my percent base uh, K is six point four, yep. and uh, the magnesium was about seventeen, so that's not yep. too bad. Nope,
8: that's,
0: nope, nope. You're you're good. So, yeah,
7: yeah. Okay. All right.
0: Well, hey, thanks for calling in, yeah. Gordon. Yeah. Thank you, Brian. You bet. Bye. Appreciate it. All right. Got Kevin calling in from out in Western Illinois. Hey, Kevin, how are you?
7: Fine. How are you
9: doing?
0: Doing great. I hear it's cold your way, too.
9: <laughs> We've had unusually cool weather and unusually dry weather for this part of the country, but finally today, it's up to 70 degrees this oh, afternoon.
0: Good. So how's planting coming
9: along, then? Let's see. this area here is probably 90% done. Uh, corn, beans, both. Yep. Uh, it, uh, a lot of beans went in before corn. Uh corn slow about coming because it had been cold. Sure. Beans are slow because it's been cold, but uh, <laughs> yep. what's up looks good.
0: Well, good. So in, anything out of the ordinary that you've seen in fields, any different weeds, any different conditions that you had out there, I mean, other than it just being dry?
9: No. Uh, actually, winter annuals have been probably just about – 80% of what they normally are, and I'd hmm. just kind of blame it maybe on the fact that it's so dry, oh, uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, it's just, the uh, soil conditions were just really pretty ideal here, you know, for trying to, like, for instance, I would uh, stripped anhydrous on last fall, and I never did touch it anymore, and just stripped the corn right through the end inhi- of the anhydrous traction you know, or anhydrous runs. You couldn't ask for better seed bed. You know, it had pretty good moisture, but it's actually been drying up. It's starting to even dry out that far down to that. You know, right now I'm sitting here watching the pivot in the cornfield, trying to get some water on in order to activate herbicide and, yeah. and uh, seven you know, seven gallons of twenty eight percent we put on for
0: the a herbicide. Yep. I always tell guys I'm actually praying for drought during planting season, but you're absolutely right. You want to get some rain on these herbicides to get them activated, and then you need some rain to push any fertilizer that you put on the soil surface down into the ground so that gets going too. So, well, that works out good that you got some irrigation. Do you have that on a lot of your ground? About 80% of mine is under irrigation. Nice. Nice. So... Yep anything else you're thinking about is uh as you kind of wrap up planting here this spring
9: no nope, but just uh experimenting with some different stuff you know and, and trying different things and and uh you know looking looking forward to this year last year was the second best year i ever had in all my years and nice. uh, it's just uh it's just one thing about it you know it's uh you never see the same thing twice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I know that that's one of the challenges we got with farming. Kevin is uh, it's it's not easy to repeat. So I, I personally I kind of like doing like uh, math and accounting and spreadsheet work because you know what one plus one always equals two. But on the farm sometimes it equals four, sometimes <laughs> it equals minus one. So anyway, Kevin, we got to run. But thanks for calling in. Appreciate it.
9: You all have a good year.
0: Yep, you too. All right, we got a little time left here on Farmer Friday. If you want to call into the show, the phone lines are open right now, 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this.
3: Where are you getting your fertilizer this year? Just about anywhere you look, it's going to cost more. And you may even find it's harder to get when you need it. It sure would be nice to have a better source of crop nutrients. Believe it or not, you do. It's your soil. Source from Sound Agriculture unlocks more of the nutrients already in your fields, so you can add less fertilizer while getting the yield you're counting on. It's such a solid backup plan, you'll probably find yourself wondering why Source wasn't the plan all along. Visit sound.ag to learn more.
4: Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valant USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right Fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer amaranth and water hemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right Fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions.
2: When it comes to cereal disease protection,
4: Coming, the weeds are coming. Hey, Paul Revere, this whole
0: midnight ride thing is getting
2: really. Well,
0: HPPD resistant weeds are coming? We've got Verdict herbicide. Verdict herbicide. Yeah, it's a
1: non-HPPD corn pre-herbicide from BASF. Well, well then, get
0: some sleep.
4: Yeah, will do.
2: The weeds are coming. Switch to Verdict herbicide. Always read and follow label directions.
0: Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. It's Farmer Friday. If you want to call in, 844-44-AG-PHD is our number. We're going to go next out to Wyoming. Got Butch calling in. Hey, Butch, uh, it sounds like you, you're you're right with our theme for today. Cold <laughs> and lousy weather, huh?
10: Yeah, it's been a cold <laughs> spring all year. and uh, Just like everybody, and a lot of wind. We've had, last year, everything was behind. Uh, two weeks, probably behind so trying to get our dry beans edible beans out to get wheat planted it just didn't work and so wheat didn't come up good then it got cold in november and so we've had a lot of wheat blow out and i've got okay wheat and i've got yucky wheat so
0: (laughs) 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 nothing great yeah yep so with the wheat that doesn't look good is is it still going to be good enough that you're going to leave it do you have to kill it off and reseed or do something else in there or what, what are you what's your, what are your plans
10: well the plan the plan was some we had to strip some of it because it was blowing to that point where it was just blowing dirt so yep. we stripped some of it out uh waiting on an adjuster of course to come look at it yet but uh mm-hmm. We'll we'll take that out. It'll just be a glorified cover crop now and and the only sure. thing I can go back into is probably because of the uh chemical last year with the beans. So oh, sure. we can go back into corn with that. Yep. So um up's the corn acres. But we're kinda redoing some ground corn stalks I'll go into I went into some rotated some sugar beets into some wheat stubble. And uh it'll work out. Sure. So, yep. So, how
0: about beets for this year? I mean, are beet acres pretty much the same out there, or what's that look like?
10: Um, I've got more sugar beet acres this year than I've had. Um, sugar price is pretty good, but the way our company, you know, the most every company, you you own your shares, so you got to plan yep. them. But we yep. we up, opted for more shares, and um, we're a little heavy on beets this year. But we're also doing on the little different scenario on edibles this year i'm gonna try and grow some pinto bean seed this year i'm kind of gonna try that how come so we'll see how that works also um company came to me and asked if, about it i guess um and uh, i'm on the dry bean commission board here in wyoming sure. so just kind of was at a couple meetings and the company called and they met with us and we're gonna try that scenario uh it's never, really been done here just because we've never logistics have never been there but um, yep. we'll see if it works I guess so um, you know trying to how do you say that up upgrade your your practice I guess the farming practice so enhance, enhance it <laughs> there you go so. butch we've been talking for like three minutes and already
0: you've mentioned wheat, corn, sugar beets uh, edibles <laughs> um, how
10: many crops are you raising this year? We got, we, we usually have four crops. That's what we usually okay. do. Uh, we'll rotate four crops. Yeah. Um, last year we tried a little millet hay just on some, cause we were a little drier, but uh, I don't know. We'll I was kicking that around this year, but I don't know if that'll happen, but, um, but yeah, otherwise, yeah, four crops, kind of a four year rotation on a, on a lot of it. So. Well, with beets especially,
0: I'm sure you want to go away from those for quite a while, right?
10: Yeah. Yeah. That's where I like to get the four year rotation and with our, Usually we try to follow beets behind corn stalks just because of the wind and the, you know everything um yep. but the wheat stubble also i can I can kick some acres after wheat we go to corn, but if we need some extra acres for beets, we can always go into the wheat stubble that well, that works real well, yeah so.
0: yep. All right, well, uh, Butch, we don't want to keep you because it sounds like you have lots going on on your farm right now. Thanks for <laughs> well, calling it is in. what it is. <laughs> yep. All right. We appreciate it. Stay safe out there. Thank you. You bet. Uh, all right. Got another caller from Wyoming. It's Lee. Hey, Lee, how are you doing? Good. How are you, Brian? Excellent. Sounds like you're just finishing up uh, spring barley?
11: Yes. Uh, just finishing. We're, we're a little late, but just finished uh, planting spring barley this week, uh, malt barley, and uh, uh, got to get uh, irrigation rows furrowed and then start on uh, grain corn next week, getting it planted.
0: Gotcha. So furrow irrigation, huh?
11: Yeah, I've got uh, both furrow irrigation and uh, some under pivots. Uh, we get okay. about uh, eight inches of precipitation a year, Yeah. so if we it, it needs a little bit of help. <laughs>
0: Yeah, or a lot of help. So uh that barley's yeah. probably fairly tolerant to uh to your dry weather though, right?
11: It it is and it isn't. Uh, some of the varieties to uh keep the protein low and uh to keep the to keep the plump high, uh it needs watered right up through grain fill. Sure. And uh, so if you don't time your last irrigation right. Uh, you won't meet grade on the malt barley; it, it'll go feed grade.
0: Oh, okay. Yep. So, um,
11: so, so different varieties are are more are more tolerant of that. So, what
0: What else are you paying attention to when we're talking about not letting it get down to feed
11: grade? Uh, the two two uh, big things are plump and uh, protein. I don't remember the exact cutoff, but uh, those two uh, are the big cutoffs, and then uh, uh, just just yield after that. Yeah, we don't we don't like to push nitrogen too much uh, because that'll push the protein up. Exactly.
0: Yep, that was going to be my question for you. How how are you managing nitrogen? Then you just basically do it early in the season and then let it ride after that.
11: Yeah, all. all of it went on pre-plant is yep. dry fertilizer Yep, and uh, and then uh, roller harrowed it in and then drilled the barley seed.
0: Yeah, it's interesting how we can talk to one farmer who's looking for more protein and then we talk about this and we say, well, wait a second, <laughs> we don't want to get it too high. But, it, I mean, you brought up the, the key thing we're always talking to wheat producers about when they want more protein
11: in that wheat, it's
0: make sure you have good available nitrogen late in the season.
11: It, it's it been really interesting listening to wheat workshops. Just they're always timing that there's a lot of things we can learn in the malt barley from them in the high yeah. yield, but that, that late pro or that late nitrogen application, we don't want to do that.
12: Yeah.
0: Yep. So you mentioned plump. What, what are you doing in that regard? Is there is there anything special on the fertility end or, or, or
11: anything else? Uh, mostly just keeping water on it through grain fill. Sure, yeah. Um, and letting that kernel fill out. Um, from my understanding, that's the biggest thing on plump. Yeah. Get making sure it fills out.
0: Yep, yep. Well, I was just curious if you had any issues with, like, P and K or any micronutrient or anything like that. Any correlation you've seen at all to fertility?
11: I, I personally haven't, um... I, we we apply palisades to keep it from laying down, and sure. I think uh there's some people that uh my base saturation k is about three percent yep and so I still have some laying down and i I want to try and increase my base sa- saturation and mm-hmm. see if that helps with with it laying down in addition to the palisades,
0: yeah yep. Yeah, that typically is going to make a difference. We look at manganese and copper as a couple other nutrients to kind of consider in terms of lodging, and then sometimes it's just a population thing too. So we've got mm-hmm. some guys that are varying populations through the field now. So when they get to those areas that have traditionally lodged, then they cut the population a little bit. So yeah, I mean there are a few different strategies you can try there.
11: Yeah, it's a, it's I've I've been learning a lot doing it. So. <laughs>
0: Yep. All right. And then uh, and corn seeding coming up soon?
11: Corn, hopefully uh, some guys a little further southeast of us have started and hopefully uh, planning on getting mine in next week. And alfalfa is starting to come out of dormancy too.
0: Yeah. So. Yep. All right. Well, sounds like you have a lot going on down there too, Lee. So uh, appreciate you calling in. Appreciate you taking a little bit of time. Good luck to you this spring. Hopefully everything turns out great. We hope so. So thank you, Brian. You bet. All right, it's Farmer Friday. If you want to call into the show, we got just a little bit of time left here today, 844 44 ag You can also email us, radio at agphd.com. We'll try to get back to the Ag PhD mailbag if we have a little bit of time yet as well. Stay tuned. You are listening to Ag PhD Radio.
4: Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from environmental tillage systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get your planter ready for spring with Germinator closing wheels from Farm Shop MFG. And now when you buy 12 rows or more, get free shipping or 20% off an end zone bin system. Offer good while supplies last, so order yours today at FarmShopMFG.com.
3: Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event Saturday, June 24th, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Join us as we head into the field for hands-on sessions covering everything from how to pull soil and plant tissue tests, ways to improve crop health, the importance of microbiology and farming, and much more. Plus, in our comprehensive guide to crop scouting, we'll explore both above and below ground in a variety of crops as we diagnose problems with insects, weeds, diseases, and anything else we may find. As we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees, this day is geared more towards students and young farmers. But anyone with the desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. So whether you're a college student or just want the good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day at Saturday, June 24th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at
4: agphd.com. Palmer Amaranth, four counts of yield, theft, resistance to groups two, four, nine. You ain't got nothing on me, man.
7: We've been surveilling you. And now we've got Tough 5EC, a tank mix partner
4: that'll make sure you and your gang of resistant weeds never see the daylight again. Track down on repeat offenders. Add Tough5EC to your post-emergence tank mix. Learn more at ToughOnWeeds.com. Always read and follow label directions.
3: Tough is a registered trademark of Belsham crop protection. Head over to your local CB to get yourself a new John Deere planter or schedule inspections to make sure your equipment is as ready for spring as you are. Visit CNB Operations Online at Deerequipment.com. That's DWREquipment.com.
4: Morton Buildings are made to last for generations. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, we are committed to quality. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit mortonbuildings.com. Welcome
0: back to Ag PhD Radio, live in the Morton studio. It's Farmer Friday. We're going to go back to the phone lines going out to Illinois. Got Rock calling in out there. Hey, Rock, how are things going out, in your, out your way?
8: It's a wonderful day in, in northwestern Illinois today on a Friday. Beautiful day.
0: Well, fantastic. So uh, I hear planting's coming along pretty good in your area. Yeah, not
8: quite used to these new strategies. Uh, we'll wrap up soybean planting tomorrow, and then we'll start corn next week. Uh, we learned quite a bit last year. We didn't start corn till May 9th, uh, had that good warmth. The corn jumped out of the ground seven, eight days. So we're going to wait till next week. We've got a little bit warmer soil temperature, but all the beans should be wrapped up tomorrow.
0: So how about yield? Because that's always my fear when we plant corn later. In our experience, planting corn earlier has led to more yield. Where are you saying that you feel like you're still maximizing yield planting later or getting even more yield?
8: Well, we should be able to wrap everything up next week, first week of May. We should be happy with that. Sure. Uh, last year we started May 9th and we had the biggest crop that I've grown in 46 years. So nice. we're more fo- focused on soil temperature now. So it better emergence, better germination. Sure.
0: Yep. Yep. So I- anything else as you've been out in the fields and, and getting this planting done that you've seen, let's say out of the ordinary, any new weeds, any big concerns you've had out there?
8: Well, not really. We're all in the strip-till program here. And, uh, you know, when we go into strip-till, we've got really good soil seedbed right there, good soil moisture, yeah. uh, good depth control, and, and that works well. We're about to start the biggest project on the farm here in a few minutes. We're going to plant our first batch of sweet corn for the year. We'll plant <laughs> maybe six six different plantings, and the first planting is going to go in here in a few minutes today.
0: Awesome. So, uh, so you talk about six plantings. I assume you're spacing that out so you have sweet corn ready at different times of the year?
8: Yes, yes, we'll do that. So we'll even have sweet corn into October and we'll put it underneath the irrigator so we can kind of get through July and August there. The strange thing about sweet corn is you can plant it 3 weeks apart and strangely enough, oftentimes it will we'll all mature at the same time 4 or 5 days apart. So, yeah, yeah we'll really we'll really scatter it out and uh, so it's available later later fall.
0: Yeah, awesome. All right. Well, hey, good luck with the sweet corn and the rest of planting and thanks a lot for calling in today. Rock, appreciate it. <laughs>
8: Great talk to you again. Hope all is well in South
0: Dakota. You bet. Thanks a lot. You bet. All right, we got Russell next. He's out in the state of West Virginia. We'll get him on here in just a second. Uh, before we do, I, I had one question that came in real quick that I, I wanted to get addressed. This is from Diego who said, yesterday, I heard about AIM that you guys were talking about, so I went to my local FMC dealer to try to find it here in Argentina. Here it's called Shark, and it's labeled also for wheat post-emerge. Is it a good option for post in wheat? I don't have Prepare or Everest here. Okay, so, Diego, I just say... Uh, yes, you can use AIM early post. Um, in, in fact, if you take a look at, we were talking earlier on this show today about Anthem Flex. That's a combination of the product up here we call Zidua Group 15 and AIM or aim is shark down your way. But yeah, that can be used early post. It's just a broadleaf herbicide. It's not this great grass herbicide. And also it has no residual. Whereas when you say you don't have prepare or Everest, well, both of those have residual. So anyway, that's that's the thing. It certainly is a choice. If you've got the right broadleaf weeds, yeah, you, you can do that. We don't like, uh, well, I, I'll just put it this way. You want to spray relatively early post. You don't want to start getting in real late post. Otherwise, that that could be a problem. But yeah, uh, AIM or Shark should be just fine. Okay, so uh, let's go to Russell now in West Virginia. Hey, Russell. Uh, got you on the line now. And I, I just wanted to, to, uh, to ask you how things are going out your way. I, I, I hear it sounds like uh, things have been working out pretty well.
12: Uh yeah, um um things have been going pretty well. Uh we have most of our corn and uh, uh bean acres worked up and ready to plant just as, as um as uh, soon as the weather cooperates with us. So rain about a,
0: rain's your concern, yeah, right?
12: Yeah, we got about an inch inch last night and they're calling for rain every day for the next four or five days, so I assume that's pretty common
0: it. for you in that area though. You get quite a bit of rain, don't
12: you? Yeah, yeah. Last year during the uh, growing season, we had about about sixty inches. So we get a good bit in here in West Virginia.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's as much as we've had the last three years in total. So (laughs) in fact, it's probably more than that. But anyway, uh, so with all that rain, uh, uh, how how does that typically work for you in the spring? Are you able to usually get stuff in fairly timely or is it quite often when rain just pushes you back beyond
12: when you'd like to be planting? Uh, I mean, sometimes we get kind of late towards the end of um, of May, but usually we try to get everything in by about the, uh, the, the, 20th of May
0: Sure so uh no. so so what do you plant next after after corn what are what are you doing in your farm
12: Well we're doing all of our uh, uh beans first and then uh oh. and then we're we're going to put the corn in uh we've uh we found that we gain about 10 or so bushels by getting our beans in the ground first um we had to replant some last year from those uh slugs yeah I don't know if you remember that or yep but yep. uh you could tell right 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 in the i a, a combine as as soon as you crossed into those replant beans it was an instant fifteen bushel drop.
0: yeah, and with last yeah. year's prices, that's no fun no, no, no that'm hurt <laughs> yeah so when when you're planting beans earlier any anything you do different compared to what you used to do when you planted beans later
12: um well, we uh, we um, used to uh, drill all of our beans, and uh, we've we've since switched to um uh, thirty inch rows, and we're uh, get, get getting our beans untreated uh, yep. now, and, and just being a bare bean. Sure. Um, so why
0: why the switch to thirty
12: inch rows? Uh, it's faster for us. Yeah, we we went from a, a, a ten foot drill to a, a a twelve row planter, so we can cover a lot more acres in a day. Sure, And we don't have much um, 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 the disease pressure with the 30-inch uh, row beans where we get more air through, the, through yep.
0: them. Yeah, we deal with the exact same thing here. Yeah, I, now, granted, it's not like it's night and day difference, but still, it's an improvement. We have a lot of sclerotinia white mold. That one is just a terrible one for us. And so a lot of guys go to wider rows, and that does seem to help. So, um, Russell, I'm curious, what's your worst weed problem you have on the farm?
12: marestail right right now we we just started getting it bad there two or three years ago and it's just taken over hmm.
0: so do, do you do any fall spraying for that
12: no usually by the the, the time that uh, we get all of our crops off it's two of a cold to get the uh the uh, sprayer out yeah we'll, we'll we'll be harvesting corn clear around um de- de- december 15th
0: yeah yep so it's, well, I'll I'll just tell you from my own personal experience. We actually stop the combines sometimes when we have, I'd call it relatively bad mare's tail, and then we go out and spray in the fall on on some nice days because, boy, that just makes an enormous difference. So if it gets much worse for you, I'd at least consider that because it made a huge yeah. difference
12: on our farm. Yeah. Yeah I was going to tell you I actually came out to uh, to um the girls uh, uh soils clinics oh yeah and uh yeah. and after I came back I uh grid sampled about a 100 acres in one acre grids uh-huh now, you would not believe the the variability that was in a... 40-acre field. <laughs> oh, I can, Russell, because
0: we've experienced oh. that over our whole farm now. We started doing there's that up. on a small scale, and then we go, oh my goodness, we I want to find yeah. out everything. So then we started doing it on all the ground just to see. And granted, I mean, it's a little overkill for us. We're doing one-acre grids every single year, but I mean, it's more about the research and all that side. A normal farmer doesn't have to do that. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of variants out there. So you found the variants. Are you doing variable rate fertilizer? now
12: well we are we are um looking into uh, getting a, a a a new um spreader for next year yeah. uh to start doing some variable rate um yeah just in in one forty acre field there was almost a two two 250 pound difference in a uh the the potassium in the field it was
0: crazy <laughs> yep well i believe it hey russell uh thanks a lot for calling in today that's a great story we appreciate you coming out for the soils clinics glad it it sounds like you learned a little bit and uh, hopefully things will turn out great now on your farm
12: all right thank you
0: you bet All right, before we go today, just wanted to say thanks to everybody who called in uh, to the show. Appreciate that. And uh, thanks for the questions that, that came in on the Ag PhD mailbag as well. I uh, had Alex producing the show today. Thanks for that. And uh, we, we really appreciate you listening today. We hope you can join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD radio. And now stay tuned for Rob Sharkey and Shark Farmer Radio.